Yesterday, I did a piece on the Baltimore Orioles being the 2023 American League East Division champs. And it was a fairly long piece going over many aspects of what has gotten the Orioles to this point. And I was a little concerned that the piece was getting too long. And so I'm here today to just add on an element from yesterday's piece that I touched on, but that I'd like to go into just a little bit deeper. And that really has to do with my belief that the Baltimore Orioles are transforming how baseball teams are built, and they're going to be transforming that for years to come. You know, news came in earlier this year, I reported on it here on this podcast, that the New York Yankees are considering hiring an outside firm, that's right, an outside firm to come in and do a full analysis of their baseball operations. And that, to me, is a real indication that the Baltimore Orioles have made the New York Yankees rethink how they do business. And if the Yankees think that they can just draw from their farm system as it is, that they can just go out and sign the next Carlos Rodon, or they can sign the next Garrett Cole, or Jason Giambi, or Mike Mussina, and so forth, as they've done for years and years, I think they are sadly mistaken. And for me, it's not that sad, quite frankly. But the other glaring aspect of this whole baseball season, we've mentioned it here before, it's worth repeating, is that the three highest payrolls in baseball, the San Diego Padres, the New York Mets, and the New York Yankees, are all going to be watching, not playing games, this October. And the Baltimore Orioles, just to put this in perspective, came into this baseball season, depending on which source you look at, with the 28th or 29th highest payroll in baseball. That is out of 30 teams, for those who don't know. And if we look at their current 28-man roster, the roster consists of six players acquired through trade, nine through waiver or Rule 5 draft, three, a mere three, through free agency. And 10 of the players on the current 28 were pulled from the draft. That is how the Baltimore Orioles, the winners of the American League East, the toughest division in sports, which this year was for most of the year until the Red Sox and Yankees really got buried, the toughest division we have seen in baseball in a long time. That is how their roster was constructed. There was a telling quote that I offered up yesterday from Orioles assistant GM Sig Meidel. He came over with Mike Elias from Houston five years ago, and he said, quote, Elias created a culture in the front office and throughout baseball operations that is something I've never seen before. And as I said yesterday, that is a big statement coming from someone who was at Houston, where they have been a perennial contender for many, many years, and they have uh, been the envy of many teams in baseball. But let's get to this notion as well right now. I think it's really important to get this out there, that the Orioles tanked for several years, and that was the word that was thrown around, and that's how they've gotten to this point. First off, I want to be clear. At no point 
in all the time I have spent watching this club since Brandon Hyde took over as manager and we suffered through multiple 100 plus loss seasons, did I feel the Orioles were tanking. What I feel they didn't do, which I think is part of the recipe for the future for many clubs, what I feel they didn't do is go out and spend stupidly on free agents who so frequently underperform. It's 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 just wild. It, it, every single season we see players who a team went out and spent massive sums of money on and they went and underperformed. Just ask the Yankees about Carlos Rodon. Ask the New York Mets about Francisco Lindor. Ask the Boston Red Sox about Trevor's story. And the reality is we can go on and on and on with this. Striking it rich, striking it properly with a free agent is a really hard thing to do. You're paying massive sums of money for past performance with little to no guarantee that their performance is going to be awesome moving forward. Players get injured. Players get figured out right? The league starts to catch up to them and make adjustments to them. So the idea that they've been good for the last five years, no guarantee in this highly, highly competitive environment that they're going to stay good for the next 10 or for however long their contract was signed for. So that's what I saw the Orioles do. I saw them avoid the temptation, even while the the very frustrated Baltimore Oriole fan base put so much pressure verbally on the front office to go out and sign free agents. They didn't. They signed three this offseason, and they were really not big money players. They basically have the uh, New York Mets paying for catcher James McCann, who's been a huge part of this club. They went out and got pitcher, veteran pitcher Kyle Gibson, who, according to every young pitcher on the staff, has been a terrific influence on them. And they went and got a second baseman, Adam Frazier, who has provided one big hit after another in a rather part-time role with the Orioles, or a role he shares also with other players at his position. But let's go back to the draft itself, because I think this is going to really reveal something about how the Baltimore Orioles are excelling. So they obviously drafted well. They drafted Adley Rutschman in 2019 with the number one overall pick. They secured that by having the worst record in baseball. And Adley Rutschman is now practically a household name. If he's not already the best catcher in baseball, and I do think you could make a case for a few others as being better right now, he is close to the best catcher in Major League Baseball. And rest assured, we do not see all the things he does behind the scenes to make this pitching staff as great as it is. And he is the kind of guy, by the way, who will never call attention to that. But they picked Adley Rutschman number one overall in the 2019 draft. But here's really something very telling. There are a few things we're going to say today that really are going to make us go, hmm, they really are doing something there that that is remarkable. Their second pick in that draft, the first pick of the second round of the 2019 draft, was Gunnar Henderson. And Gunnar Henderson is a shoo-in for Rookie of the Year, and he is also, I can assure you, provided he stays healthy, 
almost a lock to be a superstar in this league for years to come. He plays both sides of the ball at such a delightful and extraordinarily high level. Uh, I just can't take my eyes off the guy when he's playing the game, and I I think that a lot of other people feel that way. I know that Brooks Robinson, uh, one of the greatest third basemen of all time who just passed away this last week, felt similarly. But then let's take a look at the draft from last year, in which the Orioles again had the number one pick. That number one pick was Jackson Holiday. And if you take a look at the number of picks after that, we go to the four positional player picks after that, and we look at their numbers, and we compare them to Jackson Holiday's, there is a stark contrast. Drew Jones was the number two pick. His batting average at single A is 238 with an OPS of 679. Tamar Jackson was taken by the Pittsburgh Pirates. He is hitting 244 and he's doing some other things well. This again at single A and he's got an on-base percentage of 422. His slugging is still catching up at 438 and he has an OPS which is very healthy at 860. But of the players who were taken after Jackson Holiday, that's the exception, not the rule. Elijah Green was the next player taken by the Nationals. He's at single A. He is hitting 218. He has an OPS of 663, and he has 150 strikeouts in just 83 games. Next up was Jacob Berry. I believe he was taken by the Marlins, if I'm if I have that correctly. He is at double A, where he's hitting 233 with an OPS of 673. All of which now brings us to Jackson Holiday. Again, taken number one overall. He is 19 years old, and he has risen this year through four levels of the minor leagues. He is sitting at AAA. He is knocking on the door to the major leagues. There was speculation that he could even be called up this year. My hunch is that there's still a lot more work to be done at AAA, but that he'll get called up sometime the middle to latter part of next year, where he will then stay, and he will form the left side of the infield, perhaps even move around to second base as well, but he will be a teammate for years to come with Gunnar Henderson manning the infield. And let's just put his stats in perspective. At four levels this year, he hit 323. He had an on-base percentage of 442 and an OPS of 941. And he is currently the number one prospect in the game of baseball. So all of this is to say the Baltimore Orioles are doing something different from what other clubs are doing. And that's what Sigmai Dell said. That's what uh, everything that I'm seeing suggests to me as well. And while I cannot be uh, within their organization on a daily basis, I can't get, uh, you know, all the inside details of what they're doing clearly what they're doing is different. And so what I can see that they're doing that's different is obviously they are drafting exceedingly well. We are talking about an organization that has shown this in many ways beyond what we've mentioned here. We don't have the time for it here, 
but they clearly are drafting exceedingly well. But the other part that is apparent is that they are doing as good a job as anyone in Major League Baseball right now in developing players. You know, I also want to obviously recognize other organizations that have done a great job of this. Atlanta, clearly, I think the Tampa Bay Rays, and I think the Los Angeles Dodgers, when you see someone like Jason Hayward performing well above his his career numbers this late in his career, and and you see the Dodgers organization doing that again and again with players, you you really do want to tip your cap. And speaking of that, tonight, the Baltimore Orioles AAA team will take on the Los Angeles Dodgers AAA team. That's the Norfolk Tides against the Oklahoma City Dodgers in the AAA championship. And so that'll be an exciting opportunity. And so when we look at the development pipeline of of perhaps these two organizations, but much more closely today, obviously the Orioles organization, we are talking about a system that is infused with talent, but that talent is competing against itself, against each other, and it's really bringing out the best in everyone. And worth noting as well is that the Orioles don't have, as a result of that, a culture of divisiveness. And I would say that a big reason for that is the organization has placed a high priority perhaps in contrast to the Dodgers here, on the character of the players they bring into the organization. This is true at the minor league level. We see guys coming up through the system who are really mature for their age. This has been commented on by several veteran players that they've never seen a group of young guys this hungry, this focused, this disciplined. And you see it from guys like Adley Rutschman, from Gunnar Henderson, from Heston Kerstad, who I really think it's going to be a superstar middle-of-the-order bat for years to come, and he's, he's just getting started. He was, for those wondering, selected number two overall in the 2020 draft. An interesting note about him, he was expected to be taken somewhere around 17th. The Orioles signed him for underslot money at the number two pick, took the money that they saved there, and then were able to offer it to a lot of high school players whom they really liked, who would have foregone the draft for uh, more college experience simply because they weren't being offered enough money. So you have all of these players at the minor league levels that are being developed really well by this organization, but we've also seen that they can develop talent at the major league level. We've seen it uh, in several instances this year when guys have come over to the Orioles, just as they have with the Dodgers, and markedly improved their numbers with this organization. We're talking about reliever Yenier Cano. He had a 10-something ERA uh, last year with the Minnesota Twins. He's come over and uh, done exceptionally well out of the bullpen for the Orioles. Ryan O'Hearn has been a mainstay of the middle of this ball. Baltimore Orioles lineup, uh, and he was really on the cusp of no longer even being a major leaguer, and he has proved uh, to the Orioles, but but for himself, in a really heartwarming story, that he 
belongs in Major League Baseball. And then, of course, Aaron Hicks was a player who was brought up through the Yankees organization, signed to a long-term deal, and then released by the Yankees, who are picking up uh, pretty much all of his, his salary. I think the Orioles are paying him only the Major League minimum, and his numbers with the Orioles are markedly better this year than they were with the New York Yankees. So that is something that the Orioles are showing a capacity to do uh, at every level of the organization. And, you know, finally, they've they've used technology. It's, it's worth mentioning that when Mike Elias came into this organization at a time when analytics was taking over Major League Baseball, the Orioles had an analytics department of one person. One person. And so it is much more vast, much more synchronized and coordinated than at any time, obviously, before. So, look, this is all to say that the Baltimore Orioles are doing things well, and in a division where the money uh, flows freely with every team except for Tampa Bay, the Baltimore Orioles, who know they have to compete every single year in the toughest division in sports, are causing the other teams in this division to rethink how they go about their business. And as I said earlier, I think those organizations know that doing it the Oriole way is not a quick fix. There's no quick fix in sight for these other powerhouses in the American League East. In the meantime, I'm simply looking forward to more October baseball. And my hope is that this October will be one of many moving forward. I'm Dimitri Gatsiunas. Mm-hmm.